I will build my steel plant out of Chinese steel <laughs> really cheaply. <laughs> Welcome to Sounding Gourd. I'm here with my brother Nick again. Nick, I'm going to surprise you with something now. Um, this is something we've talked about a lot in the past, but I don't think we've talked about it from this precise angle that I'm coming at. So we've talked about deals with the EU, and yeah. we've talked about a Canada deal being better than remaining, and how under circum certain circumstances, Norway, for example, is a better option than the withdrawal agreement. Yeah, okay. Uh, we've also said that no deal is better than a bad deal. Um, which is quite controversial for, for some people. You're not talking in the abstract now, are you? Well, what I want to get at is we haven't actually talked about what we'd ideally want if, you know, for want of a better word, if we were in control. Oh, what, so, uh, what relationship this country should have with the EU? And I if, think... If we were the architects. Correct. And I think we might differ slightly in this. Um, so if, if we don't, then that's fine. But I just wanted to understand what you would like ideally with as a relationship with the EU or indeed anybody so you know it could be it could be hypothetical anybody how, how should we conduct our trade with other countries right it, yeah so we're talking about trade yes yeah specifically okay. about trade um, because I would want to make sure we were out of all of the other Institutions, so the, not not talking about yeah. the European Court of Human no, Rights, say, or judiciary, or, security, all that kind of stuff. This is just yeah. our trading relationship. Well, I, to me, uh, intelligence is is trade, um, and so you know that's we we will give information, we will expect information back. That's that's all about trade. But anyway, um, <clears throat> yeah. So you have sprung this on me. So this is um, this is completely off the cuff. Um, I. Genu generally favour a, uh, a, a unilateral and universal free trade so that there are absolutely no rules whatsoever. And so anyone could sell anything to anyone in this country, um, regardless of whether or not I would be able to sell something to someone else in their country. Because generally speaking, history has shown that you end up being a pretty prosperous nation if you do that even if you've got you, even if you can't even dig anything out of the ground and make it and sell it so are you saying that well, I wouldn't need a deal no deal is better than a Canada plus deal yes. is no deal better than any deal no deal better than any deal is that what you're saying well this all comes down to what the other side's going to do if, if you just drop all the rules we don't know that so we don't know what they're going to do yet. Yeah. So, what what would your what would your negotiating strategy be? If indeed, oh, that, if that's in, different. If, no, no. If indeed there is one, because it sounds like you're saying it doesn't matter. We'll do what we like. Right. Yes. Yeah, so your boots. Yeah. So this is this is. There are different angles you could take here, isn't? Aren't there? So there's the kind of Trump style, probably got an end goal in mind, but I'm going to play a specific political game. Yes, yeah, so he, he, will, he will talk about ultimately wanting free trade, yeah. but he's using tariffs and all sorts of rubbish to get there. Yes. Um, if indeed you believe that, that free trade is his aim, he could just be yes. saying that to please certain people. To, you know, to keep yeah, he could be doing the Corbyn and saying one thing to one side and doing the other it, thing it, to the other side. So there are probably Republicans who need to hear free trade every now and again, yeah. which uh, yeah, is fair enough, um, and he could just be I appeasing them. 
I, I believe that the EU um, want to buy stuff from this country. Stuff and services. It's just stuff covers services as well. Um, so I, I don't see why there'd be a problem with me just saying, happy to buy anything of yours. This is a trouble with surprising you with things, Nick, because I was hoping... <laughs> You would say, well, no, there's a, you know, the, the free trade deal would be better than WTO rules because they'd impose like a, a small tariff, and you know that's bad for bad for business and bad for British citizens. My opinion is that all trade deals are bad. They're just they're, they're the balancing of regulations. They're you know they're just hindrances to British citizens and indeed any citizen, and they're just trade barriers. Um, so even if it's completely non-tariff free trade. You can bet that there's a whole host of regulations that are part of that, so it's not a free market. My absolute on this is that it should be completely free trade and a completely free market. So no, yeah, we should tear up all regulations and we should rip up all trade deals and say, you know what, British citizens, you can buy what you want from who you want, which I think were pretty much your words before, yep. and just don't get in the way. And, and, this is, and this is why I believe that too. Um, and the, the, only thing, the only thing that I'm not confident on arguing, and this is not because I don't believe it, but I struggle to have all the facts at hand when, I'm, when somebody mentions steel, for example. And this is, this is quite pertinent because British steel is going under at the moment. As we it's, speak, yeah. It's, it went into administration, I think, today or yesterday, yeah. in spite of having a loan of, what, 120 million a couple of weeks ago? I mean, what was that for? Was it that close? I didn't realise. Yeah, it was right. two, two or three weeks ago they were, they were loan money, um, and now they're, now they're going under. And... The argument from the other side is that steel is strategic. Okay, the the British is the classic the British state needs steel argument. for the army, for example. And if we buy our steel from China, and then we fall out with China, what are we going to do? And that so lots of people who are against even 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 your free marketeers who are against uh, they'll always have an exception. Yeah. This is the exception they will use. Okay, you said to me before. So why the hell don't we stockpile a load of steel while it's cheap or, in fact, below market value? So-called dumping. If, they're, if the Chinese government, and unfortunately that means the Chinese people, and we can get into whether they're doing the right thing or not, but if the Chinese state is subsidising our steel for us, so be it. I think so. To, 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 this, this was an idea from, I think, Sam Bowman when he was at the Adam Smith Institute where he said, if we're going to spend money on steel, it would be better stockpiling exactly. cheap Chinese stockpiling. steel, burying it in the ground or housing it in warehouses yeah. in case of an emergency. So to start with, you, you, it's, generally speaking, um, a, a, a strategy for that would involve having a reserve, a strategic reserve. Uh, the UK will undoubtedly have strategic reserves of certain types of fuel, for example, in case of emergency, emergency covering war and all sorts of other stuff, you know, zombie attack. And so steel is another thing that you could designate that you need a strategic reserve of, and therefore you buy it up. You know, maybe there is, maybe we don't know, but anyway. So, so there's that, but let's, let's play out some other things. And I've not fully thought this through either, uh, so I don't know where we're going to end up. Well, so, so my argument would be, if I'm just conducting a thought well, experiment out yeah. loud, is that there shouldn't be state-run armies. There should be private armies that people will pay into voluntarily and I believe if people are paying voluntarily into the armed forces they will pay for forces that are focused on defence and not attack. I, I think if we had... If we had Isn't that going to take steel though? 
it is going to take steel, but I think if it's distributed, then each of those armies uh, will be able to source their steel from, from elsewhere. My, my, my point is that you're probably right. not going to need as much if you're not attacking people and you're just focused on defence. And it's I think that's probably true. It, it, it will be splitting everything up anyway. There'll be much. There'll be many more companies. Well, so and let's face it. Uh, any any private company is more efficient than a publicly run service. So there would undoubtedly be that. But let's just let's just play out the idea that uh, China uh, or any country for that matter uh, is trying to somehow uh, gain a strategic foothold or trying to bring certain industries to their knees which is what this concept of dumping cheap steel is about, isn't it? Which it's, a, it's a tactic to gain market share so people become reliant on you, isn't it? So that, but, it, so that other companies go under. And then right, but let's, but no, let's, let's, let's take it... Well, this is what we do. We take things to the extreme, OK? Let's take it to the extreme. They're doing it because they want to wage war. Yeah? And they're doing it. And, and, and yeah, the, 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 arguments, the arguments that are put forward are, but in a time of war we're going to need our steel industry because we're not going to be buying from the Chinese because we might be fighting the Chinese. So, for, so, for example, they're thinking ahead and thinking yeah. we're likely to go to war in the next 20 years. Let's get them reliant on our steel in the meantime so that when we do get, when we are at war with them, they're hamstrung. Is that what you're saying? I think that's one of the arguments that this is the protectionists argument, make. Yeah. Uh, and I can't think of a scenario where there wouldn't still be a competitor for Chinese steel. Uh, are we saying that, are we actually saying that, that, that one country can completely and utterly dominate full on mon world monopoly in one resource? Because that's my understanding has literally never happened before. And what we're saying is that something that isn't simple as just growing it or getting it out of the ground. We're talking about, it's a manufacturing process steel. Steel doesn't exist, you have to make it. That, that somehow the Chinese are gonna get a world monopoly on steel, and in a, if a, in a time of war, we aren't gonna be able to go to another country to buy some steel. It might be more expensive than the steel that they, would, that they are now withholding from us because we're at war, but you're saying we're not gonna be able to buy any steel? Or are we going to be at war with every steel-making country? Or is every steel, or is every other country going to be at war with China? And we can't get our steel from China via someone else. Play that out. Okay, we're at war with China. Yeah, we've got our steel from China. China still supplies steel to other countries. Yeah, that we can we can buy some steel from them. Yeah, Chinese steel indirectly. So there's that. But then, what about, what about other manufacturers of steel? Not Chinese, US steel. How quickly can you... Let's say everybody went down this route. Let's say everybody, of, everybody of, went down the route of not having any, any trade barriers, not having any tariffs, and lots of steel countries um, you know, went under, or the, the, the corporations went under in these countries. Like British steel is like going Like British under steel here. is going under now. Yeah. Like what may happen in America, other European countries. Leaving what? How quickly can you get a steel industry up and running? But, you, but are you still assuming that you're going to end up with just China making steel? Yes, I'm saying. But if, I'm saying that's entirely implausible. But if that if that happens, how quickly can you get a steel industry up and running, or or, or a steel company that makes you enough steel for your strategic purposes? Yeah. Well, and so again, this this concept of mothballing exactly. Yeah. So you've got 
we've discussed stockpiling. Yeah. So we've got a masses of steel. And that's there to buy you. That that's there very to buy specifically you time. To, buy you time. to buy you time while you take an industry out of mothballs. I don't know the answer to that, obviously. But we already know that you can do that with a steel plant. Um, I suppose there's so there's, there's a question, question of is... skills as well. There's a question of what if we then lose the skills of steel making? And so therefore we almost have to start from scratch and someone has to pick up a textbook and work out how to do it again. But, but again, you're talking about we would have to be in a situation where either we're at war with every possible other country that might be able to help us. And we're still talking hypothetically about this being a complete monopoly. And, and I don't run, think that's plausible. And it being run by the state. So or that the somehow... They again that 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 they would that the Chinese have somehow again this other mythical country have have somehow got enough power strategically over other steel making countries to put pressure on them, maybe via a completely different industry, to to say oh, you better not sell your steel to the to the British. This is this is just fantasy land stuff. Isn't well, I it? think I think so. The this the the kind of end of the world scenario is that the Chinese subsidise their steel by so much that countries stop that every other country stops producing it because it's not in their economic interest but the scenario that I'm thinking about now and then they put up their prices and then they put up their, well yeah so or, if or they, they go to war but my, the, so, they, the so if they put up their prices now, then people are going to take their stuff out of mothballs yes yeah, so which is why I don't think they're going to put up I think the, the situation you cheap said, steel forever subsidised below cost steel forever from China for one end only to go to war and dominate the entire world? Well, yeah, but we're talking. Well, otherwise, why else would you do it? We're talking. We're talking end of the world scenarios now. Yeah. Um, so, under the system of private armies, I think you would probably you would probably get people paying into a private army that says, you know what, we've got our own steel plant. This is going to be more expensive for you, but we're never going to run out of steel because we make it ourselves. Right. So British so steel, there the, the, the would be steel would be manufacturers part of the armed forces. Would be part of the private armed forces, and that steel is expensive, but the plants are kept up and running, and they only make a small amount of steel. Only they only make enough that they need. British consumers, British other companies, can buy their cheap steel from China. So China can get the market for everything else, but not the steel for the armed forces. And people would be prepared to pay for that because you know what, we're not relying on China. Yeah, well, I mean that's plausible. Um, and it would make it potentially expensive. Of course. But again, you're talking about the difference between... Again, we're in these life and death scenarios, aren't we? Um, so it would, it would be something that you would, that you would decide to do. Um, it, it all comes down to having a reserve and having enough time to get stuff out of mothballs, whether it's whoever owns it. Um, you know, it's... it's, I mean, it's it, it was... Tata, wasn't it, that owned most of the British steel stuff anymore? Bang, yeah. Tata. Tata, yeah, well, Tata, Tata. Um, which is an Indian company? It is. Is that right? Um, so what if, what, if, what if the Chinese buy up all our steel plants? Okay, right, so this is, this is us saying um, there shouldn't be a government block on, um, on what, a, what any company can sell. We, so, don't, we don't like government blocks, do we? Yeah, no, no, that's, what, that's what I'm saying. So just playing that out, and so the government wouldn't be able to intervene, um, then someone would have to 
Well, okay. Well, so so what you're saying is that they would be buying them in order to destroy them, or yeah, buying or them in order to not run them, just not in order run to them, say mothball them or blow them up or whatever. Probably not blow them up, but yeah, buy them so that we don't have them, we don't have control, and they may not ever use them. So there's there's no way of ever making a steel plant. Well, how how long does it take? That's that's the the question. Well, so this would have to be right. Okay, well, let's let's again let's get into this. If they did that, if if the Chinese not only bought all our steel plants and then deliberately stopped working them. To me, that would be, get your red flags, red flags are warning signs, buy your warning signs here. Yeah, that would be a signal that they were gonna be a bit naughty. And so at that point, I'd probably start building a steel plant. Or I would, I would, I would, <laughs> I say I. <laughs> it would be strategic to build a steel plant and not sell it to the Chinese. Like a, so like a government state-run steel plant. British steel, English steel. Well, look, you want me to give you a free market answer in a non-free market? I'm, I'm just playing with you. I think, I think... Because this is always, the, this is, but this is hit this on is, something this is, this is why I don't like arguing for this kind of thing. No, exactly. It's like head or gut. Don't want to be kicked in the shins or, you know. Yeah. And, and as soon as you end up with these, these, these conversations, and the British does a great example, it's, it's, it's happening today, and the, the usual suspects will, will come in. In fact, as you've already alluded and the to, unusual suspects. The, the ones who you really want to come out with a free market answer to will say, yes, but this is steel. And that's why you, you're struggling as well with, with exactly how to argue the point. Um, but the problem is we don't live in this free market, for want of a better term, truly capitalist society. We live in a heavily state-subsidised world full of regulation and full of state control. I'll tell you why I, why I struggle with this, though, is that with most other subjects around freedom, around free markets, around free trade, you can always say... A little bit more free trade is always going to be better. Yeah, you know, more freedom is always going to be better. With this, it's almost like we're saying, well, actually, you need everything to be free, and if everything's not going to be free, you need some government intervention. Uh, that is the danger. That's of this. what I'm struggling with. That is. It's easy to say. Yeah. In my in my capitalist utopia, it will all be fine. So what you're saying is, can what the question you're asking is, can you create one single capitalist country? And if the other ones aren't, well, no, will I think, it survive? I think, is, I that, think, is that what you mean? No, no I'm, I, 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 I'm sure that would work. I mean, we've got almost examples in places like Hong Kong and, and, and yeah. Singapore are pretty, you know, they're, they're not socially as free, but they're economically very, very free. Um, my point is that where we are now, can you just give enough freedom in, uh, in free trade um, and a free market in steel, or would we run into trouble? Are we, are we saying that unless you oh, unless free you the free market of, of armies and the for example, forces, yes, yes, okay, okay, before we can free up trade? So with well, with almost everything else, I'm confident in saying you give us more freedom in any area, and we'll be better off. But is this an area where we're saying it's all or nothing, um, which I don't like? One I, I thing, absolutely right, don't like. Right. So we're missing a really key part of this argument, and that is. What are the reasons for British steel being uncompetitive? And one of them is the Chinese state subsidising steel and building at scale. 
Another one is green regulations. And we haven't mentioned that at all yet, but to, 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 to remove, to, to, to truly make free an, uh, an, an economy would involve removing all of that nonsense. And then you're telling me that someone in the UK, bearing in mind you've also got to transport this steel from China, and you're telling me that a company won't be able to start up that will start a steel plant and run it in a way that's way lower cost than it is today. I'm, I'm not sure. I like to think so, but on the fact that they're dumping, um, you know, that, to, to use that term again, or heavily subsidising. Right, but again, you're talking about the free choices of other companies and other people, yeah? And so if they think, if those people think Chinese are being bad, they're going to buy local. There will be some people who just buy local anyway. So... I just, I just, I just think there will, there will always be a company that will exist to serve something if there's a need for it. If there is a, what you just identified is there is a need in this market, so someone will serve that need. That's what markets do, isn't it? It is, and I'm, 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 so I'm, I'm there in my mind. I just don't know how to, 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 to perhaps articulate that. Um, so I, I, I'm for a free market in everything, as you know. Um, I'm just trying to play everything through in my head so that I can I would say, build my steel plant out of Chinese steel <laughs> really cheaply. <laughs> I think I've got this the wrong way around. Just just thinking about it a little bit more while, while we were making Just remind remind us of what you were advocating or really you so were positive. I was, I was asking the, I was asking the question that unless everything was free, are there going to be certain sectors that are going to struggle? So, for example, uh, if we don't have a if we don't have a private army, for example, yeah, can we ever have free trade in steel? Yeah. Thinking about this, I think the only people that would get into trouble in a completely free market would be the state-run entities. So, for example, if well, the, so it's not a completely free market for starters, but. I'll, I'll go with what you're saying. Okay, so in, even in, if in, there was in, no regulation on the other areas of the market, yeah, so, but it was a small state. So my, my scenario is that can we can we just free up bits of the market and will individually it have, individually and will it have a positive effect? And I, I want to reach a stage where I can argue confidently yeah. that anything that we make freer is a good thing. Yeah. So my question is, if we free up steel, yeah, are we going to cause issues? And I think the only issues, the only people that are going to have issues. Uh, for example, if the state-run army doesn't stop piling up steel. Yes. So I think the state-run parts might run into trouble. And so what, what you said before was about the fact that if you had private armies, they would probably end up building their own well, they, they could do. steel they could plants. Do. Because, uh, they, because they, they would class it as intrinsic they might say protected. This is, this is strategic for strategic. us. We yeah. need steel. Yeah. Uh, you'll be paying a little bit more for our services, but we can guarantee we're never going to run out of steel because we have our own steel plant. Yeah, and and they would still be they'd still probably be cheaper than the current army because they'll be so much more efficient. Yeah, so it's it's not like we're going to you know, and only defending not waging and they're only war. they're only going to be offending the, the, the defending defending they're only going to be <laughs> defending they're not going to be waging war so they're not going to be um, you know it's not going to be costing as much as it does now anyway. But you're making your argument for yourself, aren't you, by saying it's only the state-run bits that are that are going to struggle. I think so. I think but so. Then, and, and I think if we needed to, if people needed to react 
to changes in the market, whether it's you know just people getting worried that the Chinese are buying up all our steel plants and, and dumping steel. Yeah. I think they would react a lot faster than the state-run so if there was going to be a market for British steel, yeah. just because it's British, yeah. then the market will react to that as quick as it as quick as it needed to. As I said, it's demand-led. If there's a demand for something, the market will find a way of fulfilling it. And it might be that in the meantime, that people, if they see that happening, might stockpile their own steel. Yeah. Um, and you know, whilst whilst British steel or a British steel plant comes into but doesn't. <sighs> Isn't this still a circular argument in a way? Because you're saying you you want to you want to advocate that you can free up any aspect of of society of the economy, and and it be positive, and you've highlighted that the only potential downsides are state-run institutions, but because because you've only freed up steel and not. Armed, the army or the armed forces don't you still have to come back to the argument of well yes but if I don't want to get flattened by another country then I have to protect that bit so if that, if that... Sti- you've still highlighted the exception surely that steel and armed forces we're kind of creating this intrinsic link between and, and, and you're right they could because the state runs things badly if the state doesn't buy their own, or the army doesn't buy their own steel plant or stockpile, then so what, so what would they have to do first? If they if they stock if they didn't stockpile enough steel, they'd have to stop attacking people before they stopped defending us. So I think the worst case scenario could be that we fight less wars, and, and we have we to melt down a few tanks in order to make some anti-aircraft. <laughs> or we just bring them over, or, or or whatever. I think I think the worst case scenario is that we, we would bring back bring our overseas back. armed forces, correct, and just defend the island. Yeah, that's probably the worst case scenario. Which is, it's not the worst idea in the world, is it? Not having you know, or well, think of all the, uh, the the bases that we man all over the world, supposedly for strategic global defence. Yeah. And just just the, just the the wars that we've waged in the you know the last in our lifetimes, oh, yeah, um, that were perhaps unnecessary. Can I bring this round as we're talking about the armed forces? Can I can I bring us on to nuclear weapons? Sure. So can I have my own? <laughs> it's a free market. <laughs> we're talking about. Possibly the most highly regulated area of... Is this going to be one of these how libertarian are you questions? Maybe. Well, I wasn't... I think everyone should be able to have their own nuke. That's your your view? Well, I don't think any... I I don't think anybody... Free up everything and how would it work? This is is the question, isn't it? Or if you you free up the armed forces and, and and you free up the nuclear industry... Obviously, we can disaster scenario that, that that someone makes nuclear weapons in this country and sells them to our enemies because they pay a high enough price. That's the market working. So, should there be a protection? <laughs> well, how do you how do you how do you cope with that? Well, you have your own, don't you? 
So, so it's all just mad. It's all just mutually assured destruction. I think, it the, I think at this stage it has to be. Is that is that what protects all of it? I, well, so how else can you protect from something that you can launch from you know a thousand miles away that could just obliterate a country without having to send your boys in and send the troops in? The the only the only way to deter against that is being able to do the same thing. Once you can press a button and obliterate a country, the only way to defend on that is, well, if you do that, we'll flick our switch and we'll destroy you as well. That, that can be the only way. My argument is, why on earth would you want the clowns that are ever in charge, the ones that can't run a government properly at all, to have that kind of power? So are you thinking... So, or not, or to have the people, so this could be more pertinent, to have the people in charge have the power, but be absolutely specific in that they're never going to use it. So that we've got someone like Jeremy Corbyn, who says, I'm never going to press the button. We suddenly don't have our side of the bargain. So that somebody could flick their switch to obliterate and the United Kingdom. And we wouldn't retaliate. And we've got a leader who says, I'm categorically not going to press that button. What's the point you're making specifically? Well, that's a bad scenario. That is, but that is a bad scenario. Whereas if, if because it, that's the same. That's the same as the argument of I've made this all-powerful state because my guy's in charge, but now suddenly my guy isn't in charge. Oh my God, he's got all this power over us. The the the, the Trump has got in charge argument, uh, and it's it's the same argument. Is you've got to take the power away from the state so that someone. That doesn't have your views is in charge of it. Doesn't isn't then able to do or not do what you want them to do. Yeah, so I would. I would. <laughs> I, I didn't articulate that well at all. I would. I would happily. I would happily pay my money to a private security firm that had its own steel plant and its own nukes and its own nuclear plant. And and this is and this is my right. So the UK government state doesn't make nuclear weapons it's a private company that does it it is under a very tightly regulated um contract oh, it's regulated up the wazoo isn't it yeah um and there's even some there's even some partial state there's some state ownership of certain things um but it's a proper high security as as, as you would understand and imagine you know it's it's we're not shocked and amazed by by this um but the point is, is that those companies that have made those things um, would, they are, they right now could betray us. That, you know, do, do you, do you think that they couldn't sell these secrets on or fire a nuke without, you know, they could do it anyway. My, my, my kind of point is that, that, that these private organisations have the power to do it anyway, they just don't. And so we already exist in a, in, a, in a world where these things are controlled by private individuals and, and companies. There I think are rules I th to stop them I th not I doing think, it. I think your point is that if these companies and if, if the people working for these companies were that evil, those regulations aren't going to stop them. That's yes. Not gonna, if yes. they're, if they're the teaching on the edge of, of selling yes. nuclear weapons to some dodgy regime in the Middle East. But a bit of paper's not going to stop them. A bit them. of paper's not going to stop them. If we're talking about if we're talking about attacking countries here, the law's not going to stop you. That no, that's absolutely my point. And there's no system or process in the world that you can't get around. 
Okay then, but this is another argument for regulation. You'll like this one. You're going to argue for regulation. I'm going to I'm going to steal man the other argument. Okay, okay. go for it. Um, so, you you've got a highly regulated industry of producing nuclear weapons. Yeah. And we've already said that it's unlike it, it's it's unlikely that a piece of paper, a regulation, is going to stop someone being evil. Being evil. If they if they if they're evil enough to 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 build nuclear weapons and sell them to a dodgy regime, yeah, that bit of paper is not going to stop. Them. So they could get it. They could do it anyway. Yeah. It wouldn't be easy, but they could they could do it. Yeah. If there were no regulations, it would be far easier for other dodgy people than these evil people to enter the market. Surely we need regulations to stop the evil people from entering the market. Surely regulation as a barrier to entry in the nuclear weapons why, market is a good thing. Why do you think it's why do you think it's stopped them already? You're assuming that it has stopped evil people. How do you know it hasn't? I don't, that's the <laughs> argument. I, <don't> <laughs> well, I, I think I've just destroyed your argument. You've done me again. I was hoping that you would stutter for maybe 10 seconds on this uh, before coming up with the, with the right answer. Um, yeah, this is, if you're going to break the law, you're going to break the law. You don't care about the law. And so having a regulation there, it's not going to... I don't think suddenly normal everyday people are going to go. Oh, oh! I can I can be evil now. I don't I don't think that's how it works. In our free market of nukes, then let's and and we believe that's what we're getting at here. We believe in a in the, in the nuclear free no in a free market in nukes. <laughs> so, so in in our in our free nuclear market. Um, not a nuclear free market. Um, let's, <laughs> nuclear free market. What a great term! Let's let's assume that, uh, like all markets, they become more efficient. Yes. So there'll be there'll, there won't be the regulations, and more people will be entering the nuclear market. Yes. Uh, and they'll becoming be, becoming more efficient. There will be competition in the nuclear market, of course. And what's so so? What's the end result going to be? You're going to pop down to Tesco's and pick yourself up a nuke that you can have in your back garden <laughs> because it's also cheap. Right. I think, let's play this out. I th plutonium and uranium are still, uh, if, if not finite resources, they are scarce resources. They still take a lot of, a lot of mining and they're not available in all, you know, not, not everyone has uranium mines. And regulations aside, and even if you ignore you know, safety regulation, and we've already taken away the, the regulations that, that, um, that are all the security protections supposedly around it. Scientifically, it is still really difficult to build a nuclear weapon. It, it's not regulation that has been holding up the other countries of the world that don't have nukes from making nukes. There is a, there is a level of technical sophistication that you need. But coming back around, I suppose the point is, if there's more demand for something, and the regulations are free, uh, the companies are freed up to become more efficient and they get to build economies of scale because there's more demand than they're serving their customers then actually you're going to end up with more mining and i suppose in much the same way as we're finding as a country and and countries better and more efficient ways of uh getting natural resources such as uh, such as coal and gas and oil, you know, shale is a great example of this, 
there was still demand for it, and so we found technological ways of finding the difficult stuff. I would argue the same thing will happen with uranium and plutonium, and we'll discover other elements that, that are, you know, fissile materials or whatever as well. Um, there'll be more mining. There will, the, the, the mining industry will then, uh, and, and, the, and, the, and the value of it will therefore drop again, because the the amount of it will increase and so there are some arguments there to say it absolutely should become cheaper um i don't know whether you're ever going to be able to go down to your local tesco and get your own get your own nuke would you be happy in our free market economy buying your nuke from tesco's where they've purchased their uranium from some third world country where they're sending little kids down mines because all because there's no regulation would you be happy with that <laughs> <laughs> Which is obviously the classic argument that, that a left winger will, will throw at you. That's yes. why we need regulation to protect the children. <laughs> Won't somebody think of the children? So it doesn't take the ethics out of being a consumer, does it? You know, you, you, you're, you're going to be discerning about where you buy your stuff from. Or, well, and, and each individual consumer gets to make that choice. The only, the only way that, argument's, that argument works is if the, the majority of people are inherently evil, inherently evil, sorry, yes. um, but are prepared to be stopped being evil by sheets of paper, yes, by, by laws. Um, so that if, if everybody is evil and is, is just looking out to go to Tesco's to buy their their, yeah. their farmed nuke, um, but they wouldn't because of this regulation. So that, that argument falls down immediately. But that's, that's the kind of thing that, that, that gets thrown at you. It is, but it comes down to consumer choice. Of course. And, you know, this is, this is the same as, as chlorinated chicken being sold in this country and coming from abroad. Um, it, it's, and, you know, let's be clear, when we talk about chlorinated, that's, I mean, that's so the wrong term. It's the term that's stuck. But there's, um, you know, there's more chlorine. You ingest more chlorine by going swimming. Well, if, if you, yeah, so so we, we bathe in swimming pools and we're fine. Uh, and the solution that, you, that the chicken is cleaned in is nowhere near as bad as it's not like dunking even, yeah, even if you dunked a chicken in the swimming pool it would get would more chlorine far worse by, than, by, a, than by a magnitude um, and yeah we're not banning chlorinated swimming pools are we? and the people who come up with these, these regulations the people who argue for them are always your, kind of your quite well off middle class people who can afford to buy their chickens from Waitrose for £10 that are organic and corn fed free yeah. range you know if you're trying to feed your family and you're not on much money you might not have 10 pounds for a chicken but you've got two pounds for a chicken um there's probably safer anyway didn't you say earlier that the, 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 the right the, 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 these these so-called chlorinated chickens um yeah they, they they do it for a reason they're safer um our our salmonella rates are way higher and the only way we try and tackle the salmonella rates um in this country in my understanding uh, is uh, is through animal welfare. I have I have no problem with animal welfare, but why aren't we also dunking them in something that kills salmonella that's perfectly safe to eat? So we've managed to come all the way from steel through to nukes, over to chickens. Um, I mean that you know, but that's because we believe that free market economics can be applied to any of these areas. Bring bring this back to, bring this back to nukes, okay? Okay, forget forget your chickens for a minute. Free market nukes. Free market nukes. We we talked about how they would become cheaper. 
you're saying you might end up with them in Tesco. Let's, you've got to think bigger than that. Think about the technological advances in telecommunications, in computers, uh, in, in microchip design. Think about the, the, the power of the device you carry in, in your pocket. If we, if we let go of the nuclear industry, then think about how miniaturization would would bring about an entire new generation of nukes. And over time, I want my car to be powered by a nuke. You, sh you should be able to have a you know, nuclear-powered phone. I don't think I'd trust Samsung to make the battery of my <laughs> nuclear-powered phone. The free market would see to that, wouldn't it? Yeah? Well, what are you, is, is, are you I, saying we need some regulation on batteries? No, no, I'm just saying I would be a discerning customer when it, when it came to uh, purchasing absolutely. a nuclear phone. But, but I'd, quite, I'd quite like to have a nuclear-powered house. Nuclear-powered house, nuclear-powered car... Um, if, if, we, if we're going into micro-generation at this point, where you always, you're, you're, you're responsible for your own thing, you know, we, we, have a, we service a boiler, in a, in a gas boiler in our house. Why wouldn't it be that you get to the point that nuclear technology would take over from those things? Uh, we're talking about incredibly environmentally friendly energy. Um, uh, ironically, by removing the green regulations from it. We're talking zero emissions here. Nuclear technology would be everywhere if only we let it. And just steel manning the opposite argument here, um, what they would tell you is that what if someone buys their cheap nuclear reactor who lives next door to you and it all goes wrong? I don't know. Have I finally got you? Is it uh, the third time? No, because the the techno you're, you're missing the point about where the technology would have taken us by this point. By the time you've miniaturised nuclear technology and you've got it running everything, we're not going to be using this this unreliable, you know, d d d relatively dirty version of fission. We're going to be in cold fusion. Yeah, we're going to be at the point where there's no meltdowns. It's not. There would be. The, the, the technology would would fail gracefully. This isn't this isn't sudden meltdown in your pocket or with your with your guy next door. By the time you've got to that stage of the market, the technology would have moved on leaps and bounds. I mean, yeah, they do right now. Fusion exists in the lab, yeah, and it does exist for brief fleeting moments of a second. That means that the technology will get there, if only for a market. What have you wanted to experiment yourself? And you're a complete numpty, but you can just go and buy some uranium because there are no regulations around it. So you think it would just be sold in the shops? Well, just as raw, raw material. Well, so if, if there are no regulations and it's a completely free market, there'll probably be a way for you to buy some uranium. So again, this doesn't take away the need or the agreement on standards. Just because there isn't a regulate a state regulation, doesn't mean that the organisations that that mine nuclear material aren't aren't gonna decide who they sell it to, because it's a dangerous substance. I mean, it will kill people just by existing you know, near it or whatever. Um, so I don't I. I don't. I just don't see that that would happen in that in in, in that scenario. It, the, these things are are kind of a, 
they're kind of against human nature. Well, so see, that, that's the thing. So what people on the status and people on the left and the right... They think the, everyone needs to be protected. Well, they don't understand, they don't understand incentives as well. What incentive is there yes. for, for some company who's producing this uranium to sell it to anybody. There's no incentive for them to do that at all. They're not just going to, you're not going to be able to wander up and say, oh, can I have half a pint of your best uranium? <laughs> it's just never going to happen because it's not in their interest to do that. And, and also... So it's, it's completely ignoring human nature by coming up with these arguments. Yeah, and so... Um, and in a free market, they would go under. You know, if, if they started to do that, nobody would ever use them again. And also, if, if, if you look at the inherent um, uh, properties of these um, fissile materials... They are dangerous because of their radiation. Yep. And so uh, polonium-210 in the T style, they will kill you in small doses just by being near you or, in that case, in you. Um, I mean, that was murder. Um, obviously, you could accidentally do it as well, but actually accidentally causing a nuclear explosion is unbelievably difficult. And it's not something that an idiot can do. Even if they're following the, you know, the equivalent of the Jolly Roger cookbook. It's, it's, it's just not something they can do. They will accidentally kill themselves by exposure. And they could accidentally hurt other people with that exposure. Um, but these are, these are such edge cases that you're talking about. Uh, and it's lowest common denominator stuff, which... Yeah, I, I, I think the market would was essentially protect itself. Yeah, so I, I agree. I don't think I don't think you can prevent idiots from doing idiotic things. But it's not they will in, do idiotic things anyway. But it's not in the interest of the companies that produce these dangerous materials to sell them to idiots. Yes, and so there would be there would be control. It's not it's not that there wouldn't be controls that exist in the market or standards or standards. It's just that they would be set by the people in the market themselves, by the, by the companies themselves. Okay, we've covered a number of areas there. We've gone from steel chickens. to nukes to chickens, back to nukes again. So I've got one final question for you, Andrew. In your capitalist utopia, uh, are you going to be quite happy sat in your uh, Chinese steel-made bunker cooking your American chlorinated chicken from the radiation on your Tesco nuke? Yes. Excellent. Thank you for listening to Sounding Board. Uh, you can subscribe uh, to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM and uh, other podcast apps. Uh, go to our website, soundingboard.com, where you can also read our blog and you can play other previous episodes. Thanks very much. Thank you.